0: The Joy FM Sports presents The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley.
1: Welcome to The Sweet Spot. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. Thank you for joining us again this week. We truly appreciate all the love and support that you show uh, with the listenership. If you don't know, now you know. It really means a lot to me. So thank you for always tuning in on a weekly basis. Now, we've seen something uh, transpire on Thursday night, last Thursday with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. That should never happen in a football game. Later in the show, I'm going to give you my take of Miles Garrett, what I believe his suspension should be, and my thoughts on that whole situation as a whole. But last Saturday in Startful we witnessed a very tough blow in the college football world when Tua tonga went down with his, his hip injury that has ruled him out for the season. This is not only a big deal for college football, but especially in this state of Alabama. So I decided to speak with a few Alabama fans, get their emotional responses, their reactions, to see what they're thinking and how they were feeling once they seen that injury take place. I caught up with Jeremy Holden. You actually heard him a couple weeks ago going into the Alabama LSU game. He decided to swing by the sweet spot and share his thoughts on the situation. Jeremy, man, thank you for joining us again here on the sweet spot. We know we had you on uh, prior to the Alabama LSU week as well. But last Saturday you know, was a big blow, not just to Crimson Tide fans, but to the college football world as a whole, with Tua Tungvaloa going down with his hip injury. Now, tell me, do you second-guess Nick Saban's decision at all?
2: Um, I don't, personally. Now, if you would ask me for the game, should they have played or not, I may would have said I wouldn't play him. But once he got out there and you, he looked, as far as the ankle goes, he looked healthy, so uh, I, I don't second-guess it at all. It's just, like I said, it's a freak accident. It could have happened. Uh, the first or second drive of the game, so I don't think you can base it off the results, and especially since it wasn't the ankle injury again, so I, I don't second-guess it at all.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I um, Like, when he – when I heard he was playing, I was, I was surprised that he was playing, to be honest, because I thought, okay, you could tell he wasn't himself against LSU. You can rest him against Mississippi State, and they'll beat Mississippi State, and you you got Western Carolina, and you give him two weeks off before you go into Auburn. Uh, so I was kind of surprised that he was playing, but I know that's, you know, from what I've read, that's not Nick Saban's style, that's not how he operates, yeah. and um, you know, like he mentioned, you know, you, there, you don't have that kind of foresight to know that who is going to get hurt. If so, you know, Raekwon Davis wouldn't have played, or Henry exactly. Ruggs wouldn't have played, so I get it from that perspective, uh, but I, I was surprised that he was playing to start with. I thought they kind of rest him and at least let Mac Jones hold it down and kind of roll with him that way and see if they could win with Jones starting, because I, I believe you know there's more, a whole lot more talent in Tuscaloosa than it is Starkville, but like I said, that's not totally Nick Saban. That's not Nick Saban's demeanor uh, at all. So I, you know, kind of you are who you are. But now let me ask you this: um, Describe how you felt once you realized the severity of Tua's injury.
2: Man, I believe just like most people, just about all that I've heard, man, it was almost like it was a family member that got hurt, man. It was, you know, you see these kids on TV, and you can tell the good ones from the, you know, the rough ones. And you can tell he's a good kid, very faithful to the family, you know. And to see him have to struggle through, number one, all the injuries he's gone through, but then as soon as he comes back and then has this kind of catastrophic injury, man, that just, it hurts. And anybody who's played sports anyway, just to get injured and miss, you know, college years even high school years if it was that I know that's devastating to them and you know they still had hopes to do things and just career going forward you never know what effects it may have on his career going forward so you you hurt for someone like that so it, it was definitely a sad day I think not just for Alabama fans but for college football fans in general.
1: I can hear the trembling in your voice as you were sharing your thoughts on Tua and when it was Uh, released how serious this hip injury actually is. Uh, Is there another injury that you can relate to? Maybe not just Alabama and Crescent football, but another injury that you witnessed that kind of had that same effect on you?
2: Now, I think, um, I don't know if it was Paul George who did it first, or the Louisville kid when that first happened, just because you hadn't seen anything like that before the, Louisville basketball player yeah. in the tournament.
1: Kevin Ware. Just Weir. seeing,
2: yeah, Kevin Ware. Just seeing that happen is it like it's almost unbelievable. Like it wasn't even real. So, and and to see a kid go through that and, and number one, it's amazing how uh, resilient these young athletes are because the spirit that they have going through that. And I just, if I put myself in that position, I had that kind of injury. I think I'd just be down and out. So just to see, you know, you see Tua in the hospital, I'm sure he was on his medication, but how he was uh, dancing around. That just – that that does something to me as well. You know, you're sad one day, but like Saban said, he lifted his spirits. And just watching that video, I can see how.
1: You know, we we look at it. We're fans of teams, and we get behind our guys our squats, and our uh, squads, and you cheering them on, and yelling at the TV, and you're very emotional from what happens on the field and on the court and the outcome of the game. But at the end of the day, the players, the players uh, well-being is what's most important. And so, uh, you know, as an Auburn fan, I'm praying for Tua. I've been praying for Tua and, you know, he's very adamant in his faith and, uh, you know, and we believe in the power of prayer. So, you know, I believe that Tua will come back better than ever. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm believing for. Uh, But, you know, with Tua being out, you know Alabama has the Western Carolina Catamounts this weekend. Next weekend is the Iron Bowl. How confident are you in Mac Jones' ability to beat the Tigers in Auburn?
2: I would probably, to be honest, I would say five. I think it could happen, but I think it will be a tall order as well. Um, like I say, it was going to be tough with Tua because that front, that front, front four that Auburn has. Uh, it's going to be a challenge anyway because they can get pressure on you without blitzing. So uh, I think Tua's accuracy gave me more confidence, and I'm not sure how accurate Mac Jones will be in that kind of situation. But I think being accurate and on time is going to be key, the way Auburn plays defense. And, of course, you're going to try to run the ball, but I think they can win it. But if you made me decide now, it's almost a pick game, I would say.
1: Yeah, it's going to be – it was already going to be a very interesting matchup with Tua in. So now that Tua's out, one of the best quarterbacks, not just one of the best quarterbacks, but one of the best players we've seen in Alabama Crimson Tide football history. Uh, It was already going to be an interesting game with him. So without him, it's it's definitely favored Auburn more, but it's still the Iron Bowl. Alabama's still one of the best teams in the country. So I'm excited to see how that game plays out next Saturday in Auburn. But – Jeremy, if you were chosen to represent Alabama and present a case to the playoff committee on why Alabama should be one of the final four playoff teams, what would you say to them?
2: Well, I would say that the way they've dominated all year, you have to take that in consideration. A lot of people are going to say, well, they had not played anybody. Um, That non-comerance schedule isn't tough. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Uh, But I think you do have to take into account the eye test. And then even against LSU, you know, number one team in the nation right now, as bad as they started out, they still had a chance to get back in the game and had an opportunity to to pull ahead and have a chance to win that game. So um, I I do think they have an argument to be made. Uh, Even if you put it against the schedules of Oregon and Utah, those kind of teams, they're comparable. You can say Oregon has played – teams that are are closer to being ranked in the top 25, like USC. I think they've scooted in the top 25 now, so that'll give them an argument. But I think the way Alabama has played all year and the way they've looked just about in every game other than the first half of the LSU game, I think that stands for something.
1: Now, Jeremy, uh, you're an Alabama fan for sure, but do you think at the end of the day Alabama will get in, yes or no?
2: This year – I think will be the year Alabama will not get in. I think two are going down. They'll, they'll hold that against them as well. But I also think, uh, if Oregon or Utah remain one loss teams to the conference championship, I think one of them will jump above Alabama because of the circumstances. Unless Auburn, uh, Alabama totally dominates Auburn, I think that's their only chance. So if you ask me today, I would say this will be the year Alabama will not make it into the college football playoffs.
1: Jeremy, thank you for again for stopping by the sweet spot. You know, it's, you're always welcome. And we truly appreciate you sharing your thoughts and your expertise on Crimson Tide football, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So when I seen the injury, uh, there's a few emotions that I felt. And so the very first emotion that came to me was I was surprised, uh, not surprised that he got hurt, but I was surprised that he was playing in the first place. I mean, if you've seen in the LSU game, he wasn't himself. You could tell that he was favoring that ankle. And so it just, I was surprised that he was playing. I really didn't think he would play in the Mississippi State game. I thought he would sit that out, sit out Western Carolina, and come back healthy for the Iron Bowl. Now, I know that's not Nick Saban's demeanor. You've heard him speak on the situation that he's not the type of person to sit, guys, and rest. If they're clear to play, they're going to play. But – you could just tell that Tua wasn't really himself in that LSU game. And I was listening to Reggie Bush on the Fox sports uh, show that they have on Saturdays. And he was talking about how when you have an injury to one of your body parts, the rest of your body tries to compensate for what that one injury is. So I believe I I agree with Reggie on that. Not saying that, that ain't that ankle injury that Tua had was a direct correlation to the hip injury and how that situation, like it kinda was a freak deal. But if you've played sports and you've been hurt, you you know your body is trying to make up for that one injury that you do have. We've seen it a lot in football where a player will come back from an ACL injury in one leg. The next year they tear an ACL in the other leg. So that's something that your physical body is trying to make up for Something that is hurting in a specific area in your body. So when Reggie Bush mentioned that, I agree with that to an extent. And also in that same interview, Urban Meyer, who's on that staff as well, he mentioned that how he had Tim Tebow and his dad come to him when he was at Florida. Tim Tebow was knocked out of a Kentucky uh, Kentucky game, and in that after that game, Tim Tebow, his dad, went to Urban Meyer, said, "Hey, we're clear for this next game." Who's, who gives you the right to say, I can't play in this game when we've been cleared by the doctors? And so I think they were getting ready for LSU, that Urban Meyer mentioned after that week against Kentucky. But this is kind of one of those coaching decisions. As Nick Saban making the decisions for the Crimson Tide, what do you do? Like he said, he has no foresight to know that Tua would get hurt. If that was the case, Raquan Davis wouldn't have played. Henry Ruggs 3rd wouldn't have played as well. So sometimes it just happens in the game, but I was surprised that Tua was playing, just because there's so much more talent in Tuscaloosa than there is in Starkville. I believe Mac Jones could have held it down, and they would have gotten a win in Starkville without Tua. And I know they only scored out three. Alabama only scored three points in the second half without Tua Tonga but I think that was more from the emotional response and reaction. To, of what happened with Tua in that first half, I believe the team was just dejected. Uh, Nick Saban, you could tell that how much it bothered him in the interview, and I believe that that was more about their their lack of scoring in the second half was more about the emotional response more than Mac Jones' ability to move the ball on the field. Now, the next fan reaction that you're going to get is for uh, is with Matt Turley. Matt Turley is from Dothan, Alabama, and he's a lifelong uh, fan of the Crimson Tide, and this is what he had to say about Tua's injury. Matt, thank you for joining us here on The Sweet Spot. Uh, you know, there was some big news that came out last weekend with Tua Tonga-Valoa's injury. Uh, first of all, do you second-guess Nick Saban's decision at all?
3: I don't, and I'll tell you why. I felt like in the first half of the LSU game, Tua didn't play his best, but I don't think it was because he was injured. I think it was because he hadn't played much football in three weeks. And I think the quarterback position, probably more than any other position, needs rhythm, needs practice. And not just in practice, but actually playing in live football because obviously quarterbacks don't get hit in practice. So I was relieved to see him in the game because I felt like uh, for him to be at his best going forward, he needed the repetitions.
1: Yeah, man. Like, you know, you say quarterback position is such a uh, it's probably the most important position in all sports because everything revolves around that position. And especially somebody like Tua and his caliber and what Alabama looks to do each uh, each year, season in, season out. And that's competing for a national championship. So you're right. He definitely needed the reps uh, when he hasn't played much over the last month or so. Now, uh, describe. Describe, what? how did you feel, man, once you realized the severity of Tua's injury uh, last Saturday?
3: Yeah, so I, I think that that's probably at the heart of most of the criticism that Coach Saban has taken over this. Uh, you know, us Alabama fans, we're a passionate fan base, you know, like a lot of college football fan bases. And when you lose arguably your best player, one of the best players you've ever had, uh initially your instinct is, is is probably selfishness it's like oh man and you, you think how it makes you feel uh you know not to mention how much these players have invested in this you know we can cut the tv off and go about our lives but you know these kids put a lot of time and obviously the coaches do too uh, but it, it, yeah it's a gut punch and uh obviously for me at this point it, it's sad as an Alabama fan to have a player like Tua and just suddenly it's like okay that's it he's he's done we don't have him anymore and obviously you worry about his future going forward i mean most people think he was going to be the number 1 pick or at least a top two or three pick i think that's probably still out there potentially uh but that's the big thing you just two is not just a great player too he's obviously a great kid you you can't help but like him as a person, you know, his personality, what he brings to the table. So, obviously, everybody wants to see him continue to be super successful, you know, from here on out. So, yeah, it was tough. You know, it really is. And uh, I felt when I got up Sunday morning, uh, I felt like we lost the game, you know, even though, obviously, we, we won pretty big. It felt like like a terrible weekend, if that makes sense.
1: Is there another injury that has hit the Alabama Crimson Tide fan base uh, on, of this magnitude with losing such a star player, is there an injury that you can recall that reminds you of Tua's uh, situation that happened against Mississippi State?
3: I don't know if there's ever been a, another injury that is, is as visible. I, I'm sure most fans would probably go to Tyrone Prothrow, uh, maybe because not only was it visible and, and gross and he was having such a great season, such a great game, uh, he was also kind of an emotional leader of that team. Uh, but he is a wide receiver versus a quarterback. So, you know, I, I don't know that it's quite the same as Tua. And we obviously weren't in the national championship hunt at that time either. Uh, so, you know, I guess pro throw would be probably close. But other than that, I, I can't think of a single injury. Probably when we get off the phone, it'll hit me like, oh, I forgot to mention this one. Yeah, but yeah. Just off the top of my head. Pro throw would probably be the closest that I can think of.
1: Yeah, that pro throw injury, pro throw injury was definitely a heartbreaker to see. With you know uh, him not playing really any football after that, and just how up they were up they they were in that game against Florida. Uh, you know, like you said, Tyrone's kind of that emotional leader for that team as well. So you know, regardless of who you root for, who your team is, you hate for anybody to get hurt. And uh, you know, I definitely believe that. I'm hoping that Tua would bounce back better than ever, regardless of what some people may expect or predict. But uh, so Alabama has Western Carolina this weekend. Next weekend is the Iron Bowl. How confident are you in Mac Jones ability to beat the Tigers in Auburn?
3: Well, you know, that's, that's tough. Uh, being a, a lifelong Alabama fan, I've seen a lot of crazy Iron Bowls. So, even going in there with Tua you always have some doubt i mean there's no doubt about it any fan that says they don't is probably not being honest um i guess what i would what i'm interested to see is how willing the coaching staff is to let mac play are we going to we going to keep an open offense obviously he's not tua we you know we assume he's not going to play like tua but are we going to still take some shots? Are we going to make Auburn play honestly? Uh, if we try to get real conservative and run it right at them, obviously that's probably not going to work. Um, and, and then also, you know, one of the other big parts of this game that a lot of people probably aren't talking about is the other side of the ball. So our defense looked a lot better against Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Other than a few bus plays, they looked pretty good. Auburn's offense shows flashes, but they're just not consistent. Yeah so normally going into this game the way this year's played out you kind of feel like man if we can just score 24 points we should win the game um and with two you, you kind of felt like well, we're going to score 24 points it may not it may take four quarters but mm-hmm. we should score 24 28 points something like that at least so you know I, it's hard to say uh confidence i, I still think Alabama has a, a really good shot i still think they're overall a, arguably a better team but how does it all play out? I don't know. You know, can we? If there's turnovers, you know, an Iron Bowl is one of those those wacky games that you rarely have a score of like twenty eight to twenty four. It's something like twenty nine to twenty five, and you're like, I don't even know how we got. <laughs> it's crazy stuff, and the Iron Bowl does that. But I will say this: normally, the team that's had the better season normally wins that game. Like, there's very few like true. Upsets like, wow, I did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. It happens every once in a while, but but usually the underdog plays really close for a while, or they, they make some surprises, but by the end of the game, usually the team has played better during the year, finds a way to win the game.
1: With Tua's injury, Alabama's uh, national championship odds have dropped to 30 to 1. If you were chosen to represent Alabama and present a case on why Alabama should be one of the final four teams in the playoff, what would you say?
3: Well, so here's the here's the biggest thing to me that's ironic that people are already saying Alabama's chances are done or, or not. The season still has to play out. So, so you got to ask yourself, you know, if you just say, well, if the season finishes the way we think it will, then Alabama will have an argument, but you'll have to kind of say, does the eye test – beat say the winner of the the pack 12 championship assuming oregon and utah are both there with one loss um or or the big 12 champion if it's a one loss oklahoma or a one loss baylor for that matter uh but to me you got to keep in mind there's still things to be done what if texas a&m goes and beats georgia this weekend okay so now that texas a&m win looks a lot different mm-hmm. what if texas a&m then goes and beats lsu okay and then what if georgia beats lsu so now both those teams have two losses and a team Alabama beat, beat both of those teams. You no, know, is that likely? No. Do I think that'll happen? Probably not. But until the whole body of work is done, I don't really see how anybody can make a, an argument. It, to, even to this point, I mean, obviously LSU arguably has got the most wins against great teams. Georgia's probably right behind them, although they do have the loss to South Carolina. Ohio State's looked great. How good are the teams they beat? We don't know. Mm-hmm. You know. You know what I'm saying? So until the season is done, I don't think anybody can make any too, you know too much of a case. Period. Let's let's see how it all when all the chips are on the table. At that point, I could you know maybe make an argument or maybe maybe not.
1: Now, Matt, before I let you go, let me ask you this: Does Alabama get in the Final Four playoff or not?
3: That's just so hard. You know? <laughs> it, it looks on the surface like no at yeah. this point, yeah. but this is always the point where so we're looking at, at Clemson and Ohio State and LSU and just assuming they're going to win out. And they may, but this is kind of when chaos usually happens. What if Penn State comes in and beats Ohio State, and then Ohio State wins out, but they don't even play for their own championship? They're probably in, right? I mean, there's so many scenarios right now, it's hard to say. Um, I think we'll have a clearer picture after this weekend. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think, obviously, Georgia and Texas a is huge. Uh, you've got Penn State, Ohio State, that's huge. You know, Oregon and Utah don't have a lot left on their regular season, but you never know. Uh, that That's what makes – I'll say this in the past as an Alabama fan, you know, and all fans probably feel this way about their team – during games, we've we do we've gotten some breaks at times, and other times it feels like we don't get breaks in games. But as far as other games that we need to happen for us to get back in it, that's that's happened for us in the
1: past. That's true.
3: So, you know, will it happen this year? It Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. To be honest with you, what Alabama has to focus on right now is beating West, Western Carolina and beating Auburn. Because yeah. without that, they have no chance. I feel like if they look impressive – and just beating Auburn this year would be, would be good, would be great. If they can look impressive, they give themselves a chance. But then again, if, if Georgia wins out and then beats LSU, they're out. There's no doubt Alabama will not get in because then those two teams will be in for mm-hmm. sure. So I, I would put their odds probably below 50%, but I definitely think they still got a shot.
1: Man, I truly appreciate you swinging by the, the sweet spot, man, and, and sharing your thoughts yeah. and, You know, good luck to your Crimson Tide the rest of the way, and we truly appreciate you just uh, sharing your expertise today, man.
3: Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it.
1: So the second emotion that I felt from the situation with Tua is chills. Like, I got chills when I heard Nick Saban speak with Molly McGrath of ESPN, and just it was tough hearing him speak because we've never seen Nick Saban be so flustered and trouble finding his words, stumbling over his words. And you could see he was just red in the face and looked like he was about to cry in that halftime interview before they went in to the locker room. And, you know, like I said, I've watched it several times since then, just hearing the trembling in his voice. Like, we're, we're not used to seeing that with Nick Saban. Nick Saban is, you know, one of the best coaches ever, and we've always seen the serious side of him on the field, how he's always coaching whether they're up 20 or they're down 20, and that doesn't happen uh, often with them being down, period. But regardless of the situation of the game, Nick Saban is always coaching his guys up because he cares for them not only as football players, but also as men. He's coaching them in football, but also in life as well. And and I understand why the players want to play for him, why they gravitate towards him, whether they're, still at the campus of the University of Alabama or after they've moved on to whatever life has for them. So it really gave me chills just seeing Nick Saban and hearing him speak of Tua and how uh, the, and he called him an, an ambassador and for college football. And that's so true because Tua, you've heard nothing but good things about him since he stepped on uh, campus at the University of Alabama. So that whole ordeal has really just given me chills just hearing Nick Saban and how much love he has for Tua Tonga Valoa. Now we have another fan reaction and that fan reaction is actually here with with us today. It's Broxton Gannon. Broxton Gannon is our social media director for the Joy FM Sports. He's a recent Alabama graduate with his degree in communication studies in May of 2019. So Broxton Gannon, man, thank you for joining us here in the sweet spot.
0: Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited,
1: man. So, um, well, we've had a few conversations about sports and, you know, of course, with it being college football, we've talked about Alabama and their
0: season so far.
1: So tell me, man, do you second guess Nick Saban's decision at all?
0: Well, I have to be honest, even though I don't know uh, a, th- a single thing about coaching football, obviously, when it first happens, you do because you go off what <clears throat> what you see on TV and, you you know, they replay over and over. Tua looked like he was kind of begging to go back in right before it happened. And obviously, you don't want to see that happen because you know that anything can happen. And then your first thought is, uh, you know, he's going to re-injure the ankle or something like that. Um, But nobody had any idea that it could be what it ended up being, Uh, which is really what makes it worse to me is that, like, you know, obviously, um, if you knew that he was going to end Nick Saban said that, if you knew he was going to get hurt, uh, think you know, just thinking about if it's the ankle. Obviously, you don't play him, um, and then you definitely don't play him if you knew that it was going to be a dislocated hip and um, as severe as it has been. So I have to say, at first, it was kind of like you know, obviously, what what are we doing? Why is he going in the game? Um, but then because it he did not re injure the ankle, and it's you know just a freak thing. Like Nick Saban said, the fact of the matter is that could have happened to anybody. It could have happened to Mac Jones. It could happen to Mac Jones Saturday. Obviously, we hope not, but it's hard to second guess knowing that um, it is football and that could have happened to anybody. And obviously, we hate it for him, but no, you can't second guess Saban at this point because, like I said, it could happen to anybody. Now, Broxon, tell me, um, describe how you felt once you realized the severity of Tua's injury. Obviously, you just hate it for him. I mean, you know, I've never had anything like that happen to me. Um, but, you know, to think that, his career could be in jeopardy by that. <clears throat> and obviously we know now, or at least from what the doctors are telling telling us, is that it's not they expect him to make a full recovery and all that kind of stuff. But it's really just obviously sadness. And then seeing him um, really not even be able to put any weight on on that leg and walk, and you know have to be taken off in the cart and all that kind of stuff, it's just sadness. I mean, it's like because you know he has so much potential, um, had so much potential. I mean, you don't want to see that talent go to waste because he's definitely – uh, one of a kind, you know, being an Alabama fan, we get players that are exceptional every year. But you just had the feeling that Tua was obviously um, a one of a kind talent. So it's just sadness knowing that he probably will not be back in an Alabama uniform. And obviously we hope his career continues in the NFL. But it, it's sad that we won't be able to finish the season with him or probably see him in an Alabama uniform ever again. So,
1: And um, I spoke with Matt Turley. He's an Alabama fan. You heard his interview earlier in the show and he said he woke up Sunday morning and it felt like Alabama lost that game. Obviously Alabama didn't, but he said it felt like they lost because of that Tua injury. Yep. Did you have that same kind of feeling as you woke up Sunday morning?
0: Oh yeah. Um I mean, we don't get that feeling often as Alabama fans. Obviously we haven't lost a ton, but you know, there's a kind of a running joke that, you know, you can win by 31 points, but something didn't go right on the defense or something like that and it feels like a loss. And then obviously the week before we lose to LSU and you wake up Sunday morning the week before and it's like, well, that wasn't a dream. We lost to LSU. Um, but, you know, Tua wasn't hurt at that point. He was getting better. And so I have to say that, you know, waking up this past Sunday morning, obviously even worse. It was like, you know, yeah, we won. We know what Mississippi State was, but, you know, just just losing Tua. And at that point not knowing how severe the injury, how severe it was, um, it's definitely kind of like I would have rather have lost the game than to have this injury and have to go through that. So, yeah, 100% a feeling like we lost the game and just a big loss in general, obviously, as Saban said, what what he brought to the team, the leadership, and just the atmosphere he brings and that kind of stuff.
1: Now, with you being a recent graduate of the University of Alabama, was there ever a moment on campus where you felt the energy kind of drained from a sporting event with a player going down or maybe a loss in the game. Is there something that you can compare this moment to when you were on campus, and what was that feeling like uh, during those times?
0: Uh, I don't know. I'd have to think about that, but right off the top of my head, um, I would just say in my four years as a student, we only lost one home game, and it was 2015 at Ole Miss, um, and I don't remember anybody getting injured in that game, but it was definitely obviously the same kind of um depressing feeling uh, but I remember last year when Tua had his first high ankle sprain uh, I don't remember if that was after LSU or if it was after the iron bowl but we had class in the same building I don't think he had the same major as me but he was in the communication school and so I would see him you know walk in the halls or trying to walk the halls on a little scooter thing um, and that was definitely you know it's just sad to see because and I was telling somebody this Sunday that when you just watch on TV, you don't really, you sometimes forget that these are just kids. You know, they're my age, and and to his case, he's younger than me, so that's weird. But you don't really get that sense that they're real people and real kids just trying to go to school and, you know, obviously have fun and maybe make a career for themselves one day. Um, But, no, I don't think I can remember a time, you know, obviously other than losing to Ole Miss in 2015, that you just had that sinking feeling. Um, Even the time that I saw saw him on his little – walker scooter type deal or whatever it was um but you know like i said you realize when you go to school with them and you see them walk in the halls and stuff like that that they're just kids and they're just like you and honestly that really makes it worse when they get an injury like this because you're even if you didn't have a real relationship with them you kind of know what they're going through in a sense um and so like i said just just kind of sadness that you know watching them have to go through this
1: broxton so the same day Tua goes down with his injury. Jalen Hurts leads the Oklahoma Sooners on a come from behind and victory over the Baylor Bears. They were down 28-3 to in that game. Yep. Was there a moment when Tua went down you thought about Jalen Hurts?
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. And like I told you earlier, as soon as Tua was walking out on the field, I just had that feeling that something was going to happen. And obviously your mind goes right back to Jalen Hurts and just the career that he had at Alabama and – uh, a lot of the things that are said about TuA could be said about Jalen too, as far as the atmosphere he brings, the personality he has, all that kind of stuff. Um, but just from a football standpoint, man, I wish we had Jalen hurts because it's you know it's, like I said, Mac, uh, nobody doubts his ability, but Jalen Jalen's a proven um, experienced quarterback. He's a proven winner, obviously a 26 and two record before before TuA came in in the national championship game. Um, but, yeah, I 100% wish Jalen was here and would have complete confidence in him, too, against Auburn. And there would be no doubt in my mind that Jalen could take us down to Auburn and bring us out with a victory because he's done it before. So, um, But he's not here, so we kind of have to live with that. But um, I love Jalen, and it would have been great to have him here. But, you know, that's how it goes.
1: Do you secretly uh, root for Oklahoma? on Saturdays because of Jalen? Are you hoping that he does well and they lose, or are you
0: hoping he does well and they win just because of Jalen Hurts? I oh, know. I'm rooting for him, and it's it's more rooting for Jalen than it is rooting for Oklahoma. Um, but, you know, I'm definitely rooting for them. And, you know, honestly, if it shakes out that we don't get in the playoff, you know good and well that they're going to do everything they can to give us a Oklahoma-Alabama matchup. Um, would have been a lot better had Tua not gotten hurt because you have that storyline there. But either way, I think it's still going to be a good story uh, if we get the chance to play Oklahoma. And it's going to be hard to root against Jalen. Obviously, I'll root for my team, but if Jalen balls out against us, it's going to be hard to be upset because, you know, I've always loved Jalen and always will. So
1: so Alabama has Western Carolina this weekend. The right. Catamounts come into town. Uh, <clears throat> the Iron Pole is next weekend. Yep. How confident are you in Mac Jones' ability to beat the Tigers in Auburn?
0: Well, the first thing I would say to that is really just Mac Jones is here for a reason. Um, he's here at Alabama for a reason. Um, you know, with the quarterback controversy uh, with between Tua and Jalen a couple of years ago, Mac was here through all of that and he stayed. And so, a lot of guys, especially today, if they're not, if they don't have a shot at playing, you know, they they transfer first chance to get. So I think it's interesting and says a lot about Mac that he's still here and he stayed through all that. Um, now, we've seen what Matt can do against Arkansas this year. Um, that was really the only significant game time that he's had other than um, mop-up duty at the end of the games. Um, and so I'm 100% confident in him. I think the biggest, uh, the biggest issue he'll face going down to Auburn is the fact that it is in Auburn. Um, I think that if the game's in Tuscaloosa, uh, he might still struggle, um, but I think that would help him a lot to have the home crowd at his back and stuff like that. But going down to Auburn is going to make it tough for him. But the positive side to that is that you still have the four best wide <laughs> receivers in the country. Yep. And he's not Tua. Uh, obviously, nobody is Tua Tonga-Bailoa. But I have 100% confidence in Mac that he can get the ball to one of those four receivers and we'll be all right.
1: So, Broxton, if you were chosen to present a case for Alabama to the playoff committee on why they should be one of the final four teams in, what would you say?
0: Well, I think it, again, depends on how Mac plays in Auburn. I think that uh, even with our loss to LSU um, with Tua Hurt uh, and as close as we still came to winning that game, I think that has to be taken into consideration. Um, but to tell you the truth, um, if Mac Jones goes into Auburn and really just balls out, and uh, obviously, again, he's not Tua to, to Tonga Valo and nobody expects him to be that, but if he can go into Auburn, and play exceptionally well, especially against uh, a defense, the caliber of Auburn's defense this year. Um, and, you know, it's a two to three score or more victory for us This or in the Iron Bowl. I mean, I think it's hard, to, it's hard to leave us out, and you have to take into consideration how the SEC championship plays out, whether or not Georgia can upset LSU um, and all that kind of stuff. And then there's a lot to take into consideration outside of the SEC – obviously, but I just think that if Matt goes down there and plays well and leads us to a victory over over Auburn, especially with that defense, especially on the road, I think it's going to be hard to leave us out.
1: Broxton, man, we truly appreciate you stopping by the sweet spot to share your thoughts and expertise as an Alabama fan. I know this is a very emotional time for the Crimson Tide, but good luck to your guys the rest of the way.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it, Corey.
1: And the final emotion that I felt from the Tua Valoa injury is hopeful. We've seen nothing but good things about Tua. We've heard nothing but good things about Tua since he stepped on the foot of the University of Alabama campus in Tuscaloosa. So, You know, Tua's a good guy. It's been well documented, and the difference that he makes in the lives of others, not just his teammates. But, like I said, Nick Saban called him an ambassador for the game of college football. And, you know, Tua's very adamant in his faith. And, you know, it goes back to that freshman year where he relieved Jalen Hurts in the national championship game against Georgia. He brings the Crimson Tide back. With a 26-23 victory in overtime, Tua threw three touchdowns, including a 41-yard dime to Devontae Smith to win the game. And this is what Tua had to say after the game. He said, I was praying. I was speaking in tongues. It kept me calm. I would say my poise comes from my faith. I just pray for peace. Tua, now we're praying for your peace as you begin your rehabilitation process and you know, to a man, if anybody has ever been through an ordeal where they've been hurt, they've had surgery and then they had to go through physical therapy to get back where they used to be. It's, it's a trying experience and not just trying mentally, but emotionally physically and spiritually as well. Sometimes i, I mean, I tore my ligament in my right knee some years ago and I had surgery the same night. And so that, that, experience that I had was something that I've never been through before and to the point where I'm learning how to walk again I'm learning how to put weight on my right leg again and even there was mornings where I'm struggling on putting my sock on in the morning something that takes all of 10 seconds that we take granted for as part of our our daily routine that we do every morning I'm seriously concentrating on, on how to put my sock on because I'm not. I haven't used uh, my right leg in that in that way, as far as bending it the way that it needs to be bent in the everyday things that we do. So, if you've never experienced it, it's hard to kind of relate of what a player may go through, or not just a player, but any person who goes through an injury and surgery and rehab. But with me, you know, I empathize with Tua Tonga Valoa and. I'll be praying for him. You know, it's roll time for Tua. That's my thoughts. And my final emotion, like I mentioned, is I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that he comes back better than ever. I'm hoping that he has the strength emotionally, physically, and spiritually to come back and continue playing the game of football. And I look forward to seeing Tua get back on the field sooner than later. Now, when we return we're going to get into some NFL, discuss something that happened on last Thursday night between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on The Sweet Spot. Hey! Welcome back to The Sweet Spot. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. And last Thursday, something transpired on a football field that should never happen. It was in the Pittsburgh Steelers game against the Cleveland Browns. And in Cleveland, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So I'm watching the game. And when the Steelers are down 21-7, to Rudolph threw an interception late in the game in the last couple minutes. to kind of sealed the deal, the win for the for the Browns. And I went to bed. I turned it off. Went to bed because the game was over, and I was tired from the day. So the next morning, I look at my phone and I have a text message from my friend Chris. And Chris said, "What a crazy ending to that game last night!" So the first thing I'm thinking is, did the Steelers somehow, some way, come back and win that game? And I missed it because I went to bed. But uh, so I went. So I went to ESPN News, and the first thing I seen was pictures of the incident between Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett. Now, usually in sports and with these media outlets, whether it's CBS Sports, ESPN News, NBC, Fox, whoever it is, whenever there's a situation and they call it a fight or a brawl or a melee, they usually overhype it. And it's usually like a, a glorified argument, no punches thrown, just pushing and shoving. Well, this was far from just pushing and shoving as Miles Garrett ripped off Mason Rudolph's helmet and then hit him in the head with Rudolph's helmet. Like who does that? Like how does that come to mind to commit such a horrendous act and hit someone in the head with an object such as hard that's that's as hard as an uh, as a football helmet. So To me, this is an opportunity for the NFL to be an example, to set an example. They've been set an example of the importance of head injuries and head safety. They've included the targeting rule and not being able to lead with the crown of your helmet. You can't hit quarterbacks too high. You can't hit them too low. You can't hit them at all. But this had nothing to do with the game of football. This had nothing to do with football, even to the point where the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, he said, there's no place for that in the game. That's just completely outside the game of football. And it, it and it is. So I believe the suspension and the penalty, the punishment that comes from uh, Miles Garrett's act should warrant something that's outside of football. Why, like why since why should it be different because it happened on the football field that it's not the same that would happen on the street. Like I heard I heard people say he he that's, that's assault with a deadly weapon and that's exactly what it is. So whether it's on a football field, it's in the streets, in a store, in the mall, at the gas station, I don't care where it is, it's just it's still the same horrendous act that was committed by Miles Garrett. And so I believe this is an opportunity for the NFL to continue to set the example that they've set where you know, football is a dangerous sport, but they've changed a lot of rules to try to protect the, a player's health as we've seen kind of how it's affected some of the former players after the game of football based on the hits they took throughout their NFL and professional careers. And so this is the NFL's opportunity, perfect chance to To set an example, they've done it with Michael Vick. This is a chance they get to do it with Miles Garrett and and make it sting, make it hurt. Because as a toddler, when your parent tells you to don't touch that stove, don't touch that stove. I'm telling you, it's hot. Don't touch it. And then they touch it. That feeling, that pain, that's associated with them, it carries on within the rest of their lives, and they remember how it feels. They don't. No one touches the stove uh, blatantly and and wants that feeling again. So, I believe this is an opportunity for the league to get it right, punish Miles Garrett because they've already suspended him indefinitely. Well, they should definitely suspend him for all of next year as well. Not just the rest of this season, but next season also. No games, no game checks. Make it sting. Make him feel what he did was completely wrong. It should have never happened. Should never happen ever again. And make him understand, regardless of the apologies, I'm sorry, it shouldn't have happened. That's not me. That's not the point. It's been done. You did it. Now you have to pay for the crime that was committed. Now, there there was a quote from DeMarcus Ware. He played in the NFL for seven years. He played at Troy. He's from Auburn. This is what he said the day after the Miles Garrett incident. I woke this morning and I saw Miles Garrett, the things that transpired at the end of the game. And yeah, it was a heated time. But my question is, are we going to get to the problem of what triggered it? What causes the violence in the NFL when so many kids look at us as role models? Are we going to get to the bottom of what really happened instead of what we actually saw? And I agree with DeMarcus Ware 100 percent. There's something else going on there for you to commit a violent act that Garrett did on the field, like how does that come to your mind to do something like that? I've played sports my whole life, baseball, basketball, football. I've never thought about maliciously and having the malicious intent to hurt somebody. That's never crossed my mind. So what's going on in Miles Garrett and his thought process for that to trigger uh, that kind of action. So I think there needs to be a lot of time away from the game for him to understand what he did should have never even shouldn't have been a consideration like okay he he did it but we all have emotions and we get upset and a lot of times we can react instead of responding but there should be that mental stop sign that goes off in your head too like okay I'm not going to do that like you know there's no way you should go that far in the middle of a game. It's a competition, yes, between two divisional rivals, but it should never get to that point in any game. And forget being a game, it shouldn't get to that point in life uh, as a whole. But I'll tell you, I read this morning that there's been over 45,000 fans who have signed a petition for Miles Garrett to be reinstated to play. And I'm pretty sure all of them, if not – Uh, The majority, uh, well, majority of them, if not all of them, were Cleveland Browns fans who signed a petition. But it like why is it why is it important so much more important to get a win than it is that your player committed a crime? Like, okay, what's important football or life and those lines get blurred sometimes and they shouldn't like football is a game we enjoy. It's entertaining. It's a sport. Sports are for fun but there's no way you can uh, excuse Miles Garrett and what he did in that game. And I've read that, well, my, uh, Mason Rudolph started it. He used the instigator. We, we all have people who uh, start things and are instigators in our lives, but that doesn't mean you go to the next level and you do something that's going to cause harm to them. You know. So whether Mason was the instigator or not has nothing to do with Miles Garrett in that specific incident. So, I'm hoping that the NFL will step up, don't take a step back. Make sure that Miles Garrett gets what he deserves as far as the the penalty and the punishment that should come from what he did last Thursday night. And I'll also mention this that you know, if that happened outside of the field, He's going to jail. If that happens in the street, he's going to jail. And also with Mason Rudolph, since he's not seriously injured, like why should the outcome of that affect the punishment? Like if Mason Rudolph, if it came out said he had a concussion and that Miles Garrett cracked his skull, his punishment would be much stiffer than Mason being fine as he appears to be. The outcome of that incident shouldn't matter. The act itself is what's important. So whether Mason was seriously hurt or Mason is fine as he appears to be, the punishment should still be the same regardless of Mason Rudolph's condition from that incident. So I'm excited to see what the NFL does. I think they'll probably give Miles Garrett the rest of this year, probably four next year for a total of 10 games. We'll see how it plays out. If it was me, he should be suspended all of next season as well, to make it be an example for him and the rest of the league, and also for the youth that comes up behind him. As DeMarcus Ware mentioned, kids look up to these players as role models. This should be a heavily – this is an example where they should take it and fully run with it to show that this should never happen in sports, in life as well. Now, when we come back, we're going to get into Triple C, Corey's closing comments. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on The Sweet Spot. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot. It's time for Triple C, Corey's closing comments. And the Word of God has great advice, words of wisdom, words of encouragement. And what I want to read to you today comes from 1 Peter 4 and 10. It's in the New Living Translation. And it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And you know, I say God has given each one of us different gifts and skills and talents and we should use those things those gifts that he's given us to make a difference in the lives of others and we all have different gifts and skills that we've been blessed with some people sing well some people draw well Uh, people are good builders great at cooking and playing sports and just different ways that you can make a difference in the lives of others some people are able to communicate well and and speak well and and being great encouragers for people as well so when god has given each one of us our gifts and skills and talents they may not be the same but we can all use them for the same purpose which is to uplift the people that god has placed here on earth taking care of his people and uplifting god and giving him all the glory. Like Whenever someone tells you you're good at something and they tell you that a lot, it's usually probably one of your natural gifts. Now, once we have a gift, it's something that we still have to hone in on it and make it better. So it's not just what it is when God gave it to us from the beginning, but you continue to work on it and practice it and, and make it better so it does make a difference in the lives of others. So just remember that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Until next time, remember, with me and with God, you're always loved in the sweet spot. Stay in the sweet spot on the Joy FM Sports Facebook page. This has been a presentation of the Joy FM Sports. It's more than a game.